3, 1 through 2. Now the famine was severe in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain which they had brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, Go back, buy us a little food. You may be seated. Let me remind those who are watching, if you want to receive the full sermon, this morning's sermon was six pages, or four pages, last week was six pages, uh, all you got to do is send me an email request, and then every Tuesday you'll receive the full sermons of the Blueprint of the Church sermon series. Those of us here don't have to worry about that because you get them automatically. Now... Let's talk about worry. Let's talk about anxiety. Do you have worries? Do you have anxiety? If you are living and breathing, probably sometime in your life, you're going to feel overcome with worries and anxiety. How do we as Christians overcome one of the chief tools in Satan's toolbox? Because Satan wants to overwhelm us with worry. He wants to overwhelm us with anxiety. I think we have the answer here in Genesis chapter 43. But first, let me tell you about a man, Marshall Platt. Marshall Platt, he almost had fun one day. You see, after work on Friday, he was invited to a company dinner hosted by his boss. And as he was going down the highway approaching his boss's house, he started thinking. He started thinking about all those dozens and dozens and dozens of emails that he never got around to. He said to himself, probably there was some of those uh, referrals and callbacks I should have taken care of. What if my boss asked me about those things? What can I tell him? And then as he pulled into the driveway, he started thinking, was I supposed to bring something to this? I can't remember. Was I supposed to bring some food or something to this? He started worrying. And then as he went into the house, uh, he started thinking to himself, you know, you know what? You know, I was supposed to check on my aunt. You know, she had surgery and, and mom's going to probably call me tomorrow. And I have not checked on her one moment this week. And then as he sat down to eat, he looked at that plate. He thought, you know, my doctor wouldn't be happy with this play. This is food that I should not be eating. You know, my doctor wants me to lose weight. And look at all this food here. This is not the kind of food that is on my diet. Then he thought about a diet. And he thought about losing. And he thought about the people in the world that are losing out in wars and all the wars. And, and he thought, oh, no, you know, our world is just consumed right now with war. War, yeah, that's bringing down the stock market. You know, my retirement plan is suffering. Uh, uh, what am I going to do about that? You know, and here I am. I'm not even in my 30s yet, and, and, uh, and my retirement plan is, uh, is taking a dive. You see, he almost had fun. 
But he couldn't because he was consumed with worries and anxiety. You see, some people just can't enjoy life. Why? Because they're worried. They worry about so many things that really they have no control over. Perhaps that describes some of you. So what can you do to alleviate the stress? What is a good antidote for anxiety? What can you do to conquer worry? Look at Genesis 43. Jacob's family, they got a lot to worry about. Why? There's no food left. The, the food they had brought back from Egypt is gone. They're going to starve to death. Hey, that's something to worry about. That's something to be concerned about. So Jacob says, go back to Egypt and get us some more food. Then one of the sons, Judah, speaks up. Uh, Dad, we got a problem. We got a problem. We can't go back. If we go back, that guy down there, that ruler, he's going to ask about Benjamin. And he's going to say, why did you not bring that younger brother with you? Notice what happens in verse 7. Let's back up to verse 6. And Israel said, why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man whether you still had another brother. Why did you even bring it up? Why did you let the cat out of the bag? You know, he doesn't know us. He didn't need to know that. Verse 7. But they said, the man asked us pointedly. It's almost like he knows something about us. The man asked us pointedly about ourselves and our family, saying, Is your father still alive? Have you another brother? And we told him according to these words, Could we, could we possibly have known that he would say, Bring your brother down? Can you hear it in the words? Can you sense it? What's happening? Anxiety. Israel and his sons, they're afraid. They're afraid, first, of starving to death. Two, they're afraid of losing their little brother, Benjamin. By the way, Simeon is down there already. And they're afraid of appearing again before this powerful Egyptian ruler. They do not want to do it at all. Now, look at verse number 8. Then Judah. We're starting to see some maturity in these brothers. We're starting to see some of the qualities that, that Joseph is actually hoping to see. Then Judah said to Israel, his father, Send the lad with me. He's going to be responsible. Send the lad with me and we will rise and go that we may live and not die. If we do nothing, we're going to die. Both we and you and also our little ones. You're going to die. We're going to die. Even our children are going to die. I myself, I will stand good. I myself will be surety for who? 
Benjamin. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. Jacob reluctantly agrees. Okay, that's the only way to do it. That's the only thing we can do. Okay. But take presents. Take some gifts with you. Verse 12 now. Take double money in your hand. Remember the money they had returned with their money. Take double money in your hand. And take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps, perhaps it was just an oversight. Maybe they just made a mistake. Take your brother also, Benjamin, and arise, go back to the man. Now, don't miss verse 14. And may God Almighty, El Shaddai, may God Almighty give you mercy. Circle that word mercy. We'll come back to it. May God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may release your other brother that he's got down there already and Benjamin. And then Jacob says, if I am bereaved, well, I am bereaved. Does Jacob have a lot of hope? It's really as if Jacob, which is, of course, Israel, that he's already resigned to the worst fate possible. Already lost Joseph. I'm going to lose Benjamin too. He fears losing his family. He fears losing his sons. And he fears losing their freedom as those sons go to Egypt. Now, Look at what happens when they get down to Egypt. Verse number 24. Now, a little setup here. When they get to Egypt, they're treated like royalty. Joseph orders his main steward to take care of the brothers and invite them to come to my house. Well, you just didn't do that. That was unheard of. And now, verse 24. In fact, let's back up to verse 23. They asked the steward, hey, we were innocent. This money just appeared in our sacks. Verse 23, the steward says, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Stop shaking in your knees. Your God and the God of your fathers has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. So the man brought the men into Joseph's house, gave them water. He washed their feet. They're being treated like royalty here. And he gave their donkey's feet. He did not even treat, he, he did not just treat the brothers with royalty. He even took care of their animals. Then they made the present. They gathered presents, their gifts, ready for Joseph's coming at noon. For they heard that, he, that they would eat bread there. 
how do you think the brothers are feeling right now? Scared? You better believe it. They're scared. Hey, he's treating us nice. Is he setting us up for the fall? Is he, going to, is he going to lay down the hammer on us? And, and are we going to be in trouble? You know, they're hoping their gifts will appease this mighty Egyptian ruler. But hey, he's got so much money. He's got so much power. What can their little puny gifts do? They still don't know what to expect. They're afraid. Just like many people today. Every year there's a survey that's done among the 13 most developed countries of the world. 13,000 people, 1,000 people per country. They do this survey to measure anxiety about issues like national security, disasters, ep epidemics, personal safety, the United States is one of 13 countries. Now, we are the most developed country in the world. We're the most powerful country in the world. How do you think we do on the survey? We are dead last. Our people worry. Our people are consumed with worry and anxiety. Even though we have so much in our country, people are still overcome by worry and anxiety. These are uncertain times that it seems like we're living in. So how do you find peace in the midst of such uncertainty? How do you alleviate the anxiety in times like these? Go back to verse 14. Let's talk about it. Jacob said, and may God Almighty give you mercy. You know, he had heard that before. In chapter 28, before he's to leave to go and live with Laban and Rachel and Leah and that family, Isaac talks to Jacob and he says those exact same words. Chapter 28, verse 3. Then in chapter 35, we got someone a little bit more important that says the words. God himself. Chapter 35, let's go back to verse 10. God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name is Jacob, deceiver. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Why should Jacob not be worried? Why should these brothers not be worried? Because God is on their side. When you've got God on your side, why worry? Remember God Almighty. Remember His power. Realize that God is the Almighty One. He's able, more than able, and He's willing, more than willing, to care for you, His child. 
Recall that your heavenly Father has the power and the desire to protect and provide for His own. Remember that God is faithful. You know, there's a lot of promises that can be made to you. There's a lot of people that will ask for your trust. There's a lot of people that will even say, hey, don't worry, I'm here for you. But they won't be. Their word is not their bond. They will disappoint you. They will, well, they will not carry through with their promises. But God is not that way. Our God, when He makes a promise, He always honors that promise. In my library, I have a book and a story about a little boy, only five years old, who lost his mom to cancer. And when that little boy would sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and there'd be a storm outside with lightning and thunder, he would get scared. He would always run to his father's room and, and say, Dad, 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 can I, can I get in bed with you? And of course the dad would say, well, come, come ahead, just come ahead. But then he would get in bed with his dad and then he would ask his dad, is your face toward me? Can you see me? You know, the room would be dark and he really couldn't see his dad. He was asking, is your face toward me? Can you see me? And his dad would say, yes, son, I can see you. My face is toward you. Then that little boy would relax and go to sleep. The Lord is God Almighty, El Shaddai, and He will never leave you nor forsake you. His face is always toward you. He's always looking at you. Deuteronomy chapter 31, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you or nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Please remember that. That takes care of a lot of worries. That takes care of a lot of anxiety. If you want to alleviate your anxiety, remember that God is faithful. More than that, if you want to win, yes, win over worry, remember that you are forgiven. Forgiven. You know, each one of us have sins in our life. Each one of us have done wrongs. Each one of us have done things that we're not proud of. But guess what? As Christians, those sins are forgiven. Realize that God no longer holds your sins against you once you become a Christian. You see, Joseph's brothers were scared because they didn't know that they were forgiven. They thought that God was out to get them. Remember last week's lesson? Hey, it's God getting back to us. The blood of Joseph is on our hands. 
They thought that God was out to get them and that he was going to use this powerful Egyptian ruler to do it. But look at how Joseph treats them. He treats them like royalty. They have time in his house. They have this meal. And then notice with me, notice with me, verse 30. This is Joseph here. Now his heart, that's Joseph. Now his heart yearned for his brother, that's Benjamin. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. He's overcome with feelings. You see, Joseph loved his brothers. And he went into his chamber and wept there. There's no need for Joseph's brothers to fear Joseph. Joseph is not going to hold what they did to him against them. You see, they have already been forgiven. Uh, I said, circle that word mercy. That word mercy in verse 14, it's a unique Hebrew word. It literally means brotherly love. And it comes from the Hebrew word for womb womb. There's a connection to children, to siblings, because you come from the same womb. You come from the same parents. There's a connection there. And see, Joseph was going to hold against them what they did to him because they're family. They're family. Now, verse 31 then he, Joseph, washed his face, came out, and he restrained himself. He puts back on his ruler face. And he said, serve the bread. Let's eat. So they set him a place by himself and them by themselves. That's the, the common culture for them. Verse 33. And they set before him the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. And the men look in astonishment at one another. How does he know? How does he know the birth orders? How does he know this? That he took servings to them from before him, but Benjamin's serving was five times as much as any of theirs. So they drank and were merry with him. What is Joseph doing? He's having a dinner of reconciliation with his brothers. Now, how about you and me? How about th those of us who know and have obeyed Jesus? Do we sometimes forget? Do we sometimes forget that we have been forgiven? And so we live our lives in fear during those times? Please, if, if you want to overcome your fear, to overcome your worries and anxiety, then remember that you are forgiven as obedient believers in Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8, But God did what demonstrates His own love toward us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who were in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs. We're heirs. 
We have an inheritance. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, then that we may also be glorified together. This is a picture of perhaps the greatest house ever built here in this country. It's the Biltmore Estate, built by George and Edith Vanderbilt. It's a tremendous property. I want to talk about one of their employees, Bessie Smith. Bessie Smith was a 17-year-old girl who got a job at the Biltmore, and she was excited. She was given the job of carrying dishes out to the meal, okay, to set up all the, the plate settings. And Mr. Vanderbilt was already in the big ballroom looking over the settings, getting ready for a big dinner that night. And in walks Bessie. Bessie weighs about 80 pounds. She's just a little thing. And she's carrying this big platter of china, place settings. It weighed more, well, it probably weighed almost as much as she weighed. And she tripped and fell, crashing on the floor. All that china comes crashing down. That china is broken. And she looks up and she sees Mr. Vanderbilt walking toward her. She thinks to herself, well, I got to work a day. That's it. But what does Mr. Vanderbilt do? He stops right in front of her. He bends down and starts helping her pick up each little broken piece, putting it on the big platter. And after they're through, he says to her, I need to see you in the morning in my office. What is she thinking now? Well, he's going to deliver the boom tomorrow. He's going to tell me it's a highway, get out. So she appears the next day and she's looking down, expecting to hear those words, you're fired. Instead, Mr. Vanderbilt promotes her to a job where she wouldn't have to be carrying all those dishes. Here's my point. That's the kind of man that George Vanderbilt was. He was nice to his employees. But even so much more, even so much more, that's just a drop in the ocean compared to the kindness that God has, the God that we serve. When we mess up, and we will, He doesn't condemn us. No, He gives us the opportunity to seek forgiveness. Because of Jesus, one day He will promote us to heaven for eternity. Here on earth, He uses us for His glory, to bring glory to Him. That's the kind of God we have. The point is, God loves you. God is not out to get you. He's not like some state trooper hiding behind a sign hoping to catch you speeding. God is out to give you the riches of heaven when you trust Him and when you obey His Son, Jesus the Christ, and when you live faithful to Him. Please don't ever forget it.
For if you want to overcome your fears, if you want to overcome your worries, if you want to overcome your anxiety, then you must always remember God is faithful and you are forgiven. Once again, you know what happens. This is God's simple plan of salvation. Have you obeyed? If you have, as a Christian, you need to seek forgiveness. The church stands ready to pray for you and with you. Billy has a song designed to encourage you. Will you make that decision tonight as we stand and sing for your encouragement? Why keep Jesus?